0: This episode is sponsored by VTEC.
1: Today, Graham and I are joined in studio by star to star savant Colin Johnston. Stay tuned for the wine recommendations, but really, and the double pet. He is an industry expert, so stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. Thank you, Colin. Your hair looks less quaff today.
0: Heads in the cloud with your hosts, David Portnowitz and Graham Potter.
1: All right, welcome to today's episode of Heads in the Cloud, I'm David Portnowitz. Today, we're joined in studio by none other than Star to Stars, Colin Johnston.
0: Colin Johnston, man. I yeah. thought we were going to have a real uh, guest. I thought we, had, we were, I thought we were flying an international guest in. And then yeah. we ended up with Somebody Colin. Somebody tied with a World Cup or something like that. Yeah. You guys, guys
2: must Colin? really be scraping the bottom of the <laughs> barrel, i got to be <laughs> sorry, honest. Sorry, but, who, uh, sorry, who are you? Well, I'd like to uh, thank you for putting me on the uh, Potter and Portnowitz show. Yeah, so, uh, double P's. at are uh, P&P you're, show.
0: You're very welcome. Yeah. I don't think David anything better to do.
1: So Why don't you better. tell us a little bit about what you do here? Start a yeah, star what you What's to start your history? To Tell us okay. your telecom history experience. Oh, because you've, approximately...
0: you've been in this space for a long time. How much yeah. time do we have?
1: As much you... time as you need. Go as deep as you'd like.
0: I think you dealt with voice systems
1: years ago. Didn't
2: you? I did. I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah I you know, a bit, uh, man. years ago when I was uh, just a boy in college, uh, as you would say, Mr. Potter. Yeah, you went to college. Short, short pants. Yeah, I did go to college. Short, um... short pants. I uh, worked for a company called uh Compass Technology which was a voicemail manufacturer here in Sarasota, Florida. Back when uh voicemail was uh a brand thing. Yeah.
1: Was that for like like for voicemail for desk phones or what what what, what were they selling?
2: Yeah, it was voicemail uh pretty to go on system, pretty really? much any key system, any yeah. PBX. Um interesting thing is is uh this last weekend I ran into some folks from Dialogic mm-hmm. um who's reinventing themselves and uh Back then, we used to sell uh, dialogic and rhetorics boards on uh, very uh, wimpy 386 computers and a couple of ports of voicemail, and uh, it was uh, fairly expensive at that time. Expensive option. Was this like the mid-90s? It was the mid-90s, yep. And uh, then from there, I I moved on. Uh, That company was purchased by uh, Octel, and then Octel was purchased by uh, Lucent. And when Lucent uh, came along, I ended up leaving and uh, going and selling a tremendous amount of uh, key systems, T- Toshiba systems, uh, either Toshibas, NECs, even that back then, Nortel. I'm sure everyone here remembers the Nortel uh, phone systems. And um, then on from there, I uh, ended up uh, owning my own interconnect company, selling NEC equipment in Washington, D.C. And uh, my wife and I decided to move back to uh, lovely Sarasota, Florida. And uh, that's where I ended up getting connected with Star to Star about 12 years ago.
0: You've been here since pretty much the inception. A local partner first, though, and you were with... I was. uh, I was with a local partner um,
2: um, here in uh, a company called Kangas and Associates, and uh, went on the uh, training class, just like all of our partners do, and uh, I think I probably bothered uh, the founder of the company uh, quite a bit on that trip until the... He finally said I was either going to go away or he was going to offer me a job. So uh, <laughs> that's kind of how it worked out.
1: What employee number were you at Star to start? Do you um,
2: know? It, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, shrouded in mystery, but I think it was somewhere around 12. I think uh, just right after uh, our illustrious Mr. Potter, I think, was uh, was my hire. So, date, you've, so. Got,
0: you've got uh, Gap. I can tell you exactly where we are. So you have myself, followed by uh, a lady by the name of Jen Denine. She's still She's here. here? She's still here. I've been with the organization for a long time. And then I think very quickly thereafter was uh, was college, and we were all working out of uh, Main Street, yeah, but, yeah. at the time. In the uh, what was the Bank of America building, now Wells Fargo. I think. Uh, I know you like advertising on it. I love uh, Wells Fargo. So yeah, like, us money. <laughs> <laughs> us.
1: So, but you've held a variety of positions here. So, yeah, absolutely. All yeah. in sales, though, right?
2: Yeah, uh, it's always been well. You know, in the early days, it was anything that needed to get done. Everything yeah. from uh, from sales to uh, to sweeping the floors, as they say. But, Building uh, trade show booths. Oh uh, gosh, yeah. You know, yeah, everything. So, uh, but for, in the early days, was uh, you know one of the things uh, that led from my background was working with the interconnect panel. Yeah. Um, so working with those interconnects and understanding that that business was where we first started selling. Uh, the start-to-start product, which is really still about seventy percent of the revenue, is generated mm-hmm. from that channel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, worked with that channel, developed that channel. We had some very unique ways of bringing the hosted product to a traditional interconnect. Um, you know, a lot of the interconnects that are out there have a tremendous number of a uh, client base. You know, thousands of, of of you know customers, but they don't touch them quite as much as say an, a managed service provider or even an agent does. So, mm-hmm. Um, so that was the channel we originally started with, and I ran that channel. Um, and then we successfully moved on to bringing on some managed service providers. Uh, a lot of the interconnects are morphing themselves into managed service providers. Uh, and then we brought on the master agent channel about five or six years ago. Uh, and I worked that channel uh, in the very beginning uh, of the channel and just actually stepped away from it uh, this year to go and work with what we're terming our strategic channel, yeah, uh, which uh, can encompass multiple different companies. As you know, there's a tremendous amount of uh, acquisition going on in the industry. Um, you know, someone like ScanSource purchasing Intellisys and Cisco uh, purchasing Broadsoft. And so there's a lot of strategic style size customers uh, that we're working with as well. And uh, so that's where I'm focusing right now.
1: So if you, if, let's say you still owned your, your interconnect business, what would you... What would you
0: be doing today?
1: No, I mean... What, what, what would you be doing to try to differentiate yourself or how would you run that business today? What, what kind of, what would you, what would you tell someone who's in that space today? How, how should they move forward? What should they do?
2: Right. So if you, if if you are, if I was in the interconnect business today, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I would be definitely moving towards more of a managed service model. Mm -hmm. Um, the interconnects don't own the network. The managed service providers own the network and you know, the, whoever owns the network really wins the day um, I think you know as far as, uh, as selling new products so um, I would definitely be focusing towards more managed services um, you know the interconnect business is really built much more on buying a, a widget for X and selling it for X plus um, they're starting to get into the more of the residual model um, and that's something that's hard and difficult for a lot of the interconnects to do so you need to be able to structure your business to be able to move into that more recurring revenue model with some of the providers that are out there uh, but with start to star we give you the ability to have an upfront revenue stream as well as a residual revenue stream so I honestly have said this multiple times if I wasn't working for start to star I'd be selling start to star <laughs> um, you know back uh, in the uh, out in the world well
0: that's, um, that's actually happened for a number of people that have been part of the business sure have uh, been here for a while and uh, you know, made good impact and then move back into their own businesses they tend to tend to kind of carry the flag, sure. keep selling the product. Yeah, I, I really
2: don't think anyone has as good a business, and, and this is, you know, honest as I can be, I don't think anyone has as good a business model as star to star of all of our competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want to earn upfront revenue, it's there. If you want to earn residual revenue, it's there. Um, we run the most, you know, the richest uh, spiffs of any provider um, out there. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to discuss what our spiffs are but there's a <laughs> tremendous spiff going on between now and the end of the year so i'll, I'll look to uh you can make P&E, a lot but, of
1: money with star to star let's uh, just throw it out we'll just retire
0: say that. with retire <laughs> with star
2: to star but uh yeah so uh, i guess a you know, long way to answer your question i would actually probably be a star to star reseller uh, yeah. back in my own business again and and and, and fully uh, enjoying it absolutely mm-hmm.
1: and when you were working on the agent side what's different or how do you how do you tell the story to the agents and so that's it resonates with them? What are they, what are they interested in? What are they looking for?
2: Sure. So, you know, a lot of the resident, <laughs> a lot of the agents um, that are out there, they're, they're a different type of model for star to star. There are uh, some agents that are fairly technical and we do have some agents that physically do installations with us. Uh, but primarily the agents are sales pros. That's mm-hmm. what they hang their hat on and they're very good at it. So, uh, from an agent standpoint, looking um, at star to star, I would say a big differentiator and why I would recommend star to star over other uh, vendors in our space uh, is our customer retention rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's multiple companies in our space that are still losing, you know, 22 to 25 percent of their customers a year. So if I was an agent and I had to lose one out of four sales that I made and I'm trying to build that recurring revenue stream, uh, it would be very difficult to do that if I'm losing one out of four. So um, you know, in, in selling with with the uh, agents, I would say the biggest thing for the agents is to get Star to Star involved. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're out there and you're proposing uh, start to Star, we have inside sales resources for you. We have outside sales resources. We can do webinars with your uh, customers. We can bring in sales engineers with your customers um, and just get us involved as soon as possible and as early as possible, early and often, as they say.
0: So having worked kind of both sides when we first started the business call in and we started with some of the Kind of smaller organizations and uh you know, it was a it was an interesting challenge in those early days because we were kind of preaching um to to an audience out there about a, a hybrid solution mm-hmm. that nobody really understood or the marketplace didn't pin side to side down to anything in particular and now moving on to the sort of channels that we've we've uh, we've got today, the agent channel that you're talking about so what are the biggest challenges bringing on uh agent First, as perhaps how we we would have worked. Before. What are the what are the big challenges you see? And I guess also feeding and watering that channel going forward, because that's one of the biggest, sure. most important things that we've got.
2: Well, the fact is that that start star is significantly different in in the hybrid model um, that we have. I think uh, we all should have had some more uh, forethought and and come up with the. SD-WAN when we first, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, in our inception because, you know, we were really doing a version of SD-WAN for voice um, since the beginning of the product, um, you know, being able to switch between multiple internet connections and failover and disaster. So, um, and when we talk with a lot of the agents, I think the the biggest thing that we need to get across to them is that differentiator. Um, a lot of agents, there's a lot of noise out there, right? There's a lot of shiny pieces, a lot of people looking at different things. And I think sometimes we end up getting... Uh, classified as just another hosted provider. Um, so, you know, when we have our installing partners, we go through an extensive training with those partners. They understand the product from an install standpoint. They really understand the differentiators, whereas getting that information in the hands of the agents will make them much more successful if they'll, you know, bite in and, and really understand what we do and how we do it and why we're different. And, and it's it's an ongoing uh, challenge to be able to uh, get that information in their in their hands.
0: Well, and you've got you've got an additional piece now as well because obviously we've got uh, additional products in the in the portfolio following the merger with, with Blueface. So sure. now we have a, a cloud product which you know years and years ago we we uh, we wouldn't always advocate that, but that has a special place in our in our world and there's there's good reason for that. Sure. So how do you how do you kind of pitch that now? With yeah,
2: you? yeah. So and and that's exactly right. You know, for years we've said that you know hybrid is the way to go and it still really hasn't changed in certain aspects and certain customers because hybrid is absolutely the best solution for certain customers however uh, the fact that we now what we're terming is a full spectrum uh, product set so we have everything from a pure hosted model uh, built on free switch one of the nice things is both products are built on free switch uh, from that we go from hosted to hosted with SD-WAN uh, from that we can go to our hybrid model and hybrid SD-WAN Um, And you will have multiple customers with more than one location uh, one that may be a main office with you know hundreds of phones We would always recommend that to be a hybrid solution a lot of good reasons a lot of um, uh, technical reasons to do that Uh, But then there may be some remote locations that also would be a perfect candidate for a pure hosted platform Um, So it's really having all of those different products in uh, in your bailiwick as they say Mm -hmm. to be able to deliver Um, so when you go out there as a star-to-star reseller you have the ability to sell in four different models uh, and really be able to provide the right product to your customer, regardless of what their needs
1: are. So, And so you've, so you've experienced on the interconnect side on the agent side. So the stuff that you're doing now, which is more geared at larger enterprise sure. strategic type partners, what are they looking for?
2: Right. So a lot of the, the strategic style partners um, are really looking for brand awareness. Um, looking for a a white label type of arrangement with star to star um the one thing that's very tricky about that though and and to, to caveat it uh, is a lot of folks do want to have that white label uh, presence but there's a tremendous amount of taxing and regulation mm, yeah. you know that's involved the with stuff that. you don't think about exactly yeah. um so you know with star to star we you know we file thousands of tax returns every year just to be compliant um there's a lot of uh, that goes into it, an entire tax department but um, you know, a lot of those partners are looking for a white label uh, branded um, aspect of it and uh, they're looking to do business with a, a partner that can support them. Uh, they usually will do all the tier one tech support. Um, they'll deal with their, their customers from that aspect and they want to have a partner that can come in at tier two and tier three and, and really be a true partner. Working with their technical folks um, in the field and directly with Star, to Star So,
1: are these are these partners? Are they large MSPs? Are they Clex? Are they Lex? So who are they?
2: Yeah. So that's the, all of those. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, when you've got um, you know some Clex, uh, you know, a lot of those folks are looking to put um, a product at the end of their connections. Um, they're looking to put something, uh, and, and
1: that product not being Broadsoft, correct. <laughs> exactly um in fact I'm there's there's, uh,
2: <laughs> there's been a tremendous uh, amount of those folks talking to us lately that are that are currently selling broadsoft so it's it's a it's a it's good for us at the moment but, um but you know so a lot of them are are, are looking at that and then there's some very large uh system integrators or some very large uh, managed service providers um that are looking just for that kind of a level of of support um you know instead of a say a commission rate they're looking for a buy rate and they handle a lot more of the, uh, onboarding of their customers.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it still business or is there some residential in there as well?
2: Um, we, as a, as a company, we don't really work too much, uh, on the retail side. We won't sell to a residential, but mm-hmm. some of those larger partners that we have do, mm-hmm. uh, and we're more than happy to support them in their choice to do that type of, the, uh, that side of the business.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So one of the companies that I find interesting in this space that is sort of, you talked about some mergers is AT&T. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- they obviously play in our space in the UC space, but then they dabble in other in other things as well. And you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is they come in and they and they buy a company like Time Warner, HBO, and what what kind of a you know how does that affect what they do in the UC space? We don't know, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to see how companies like that are looking for content and looking looking at different areas that they can increase revenue, that they can build out that are, that are not traditional communications, you know, platforms. So I think sure. we're going to see more and more of that mm-hmm. as the years go on, too. I mean, I think you saw that a little bit with, like, LogMeIn and Jive, but I think AT&T coming in and buying someone like Time Warner is really interesting as well. Right. I mean, what, what do you think about something like that? Well,
2: you know, a company like AT&T, you know, they're providing, you know, historically, they've been providing pipes. Yeah. Right? They've been providing connectivity. But the folks that have been making all the money are the content providers. Yeah. Um, You know, so looking at that scenario, um, from the time I was selling phone systems in the 90s, the phones and the connectivity was a little less expensive every year, you know, from that point forward. So um, that's very commoditized. Yeah. Um, You know, so if you're selling just in a commodity, um, you're, you know, it's a race to the bottom. Uh, If you're looking at having content, um, you know, something similar to even Start a Star. You know, we're not a pipe provider. Yeah. Uh, We will run on anyone's uh, connectivity. Any broadband. Right, any broadband. So uh, we're a software company, so we're providing applications. Companies and uh, customers are willing to pay for something that's going to affect their business, something that's going to make them more productive. Does it save me money or does it make me money? Uh, But if you're just providing a pipe, that doesn't save me any money, doesn't make me any money. It's just a, a, a cost of doing business. So yeah. I think they're looking to see where they can, you know, enhance their revenue by not just providing a commodity platform.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously, content too is king right now. I mean, there's just sure. so much. So if you can buy something like HBO and have that as sort of a platform for delivery of other products and, or, you know, be able to just obviously show the on your phones, I mean, tablets, and they control the networks. I mean, obviously, that's very, um, enticing to them but it'll be interesting to see what they do with someone like hbo is traditionally not really concern themselves too much with ratings mm-hmm. or with revenue but AT&T he's going to come in and say you know we want you know maybe they want them to be more like netflix which is like just create as much content as humanly possible make a show for every single person you know that you know i can enjoy one you can enjoy one and Graham can enjoy one, but we all don't enjoy the same thing. Sure. Whereas HBO has traditionally been like, look, we're going to put on one show, three shows, you know, two shows a week, and it's going to be these big, big. So I just think it's it's an interesting shift in the in the space. It's sort of tangentially related to us, but it does. It, I think it will have effect down the line as to what AT and T can provide to partners, to customers, mm-hmm. what they can sell. And sort of how they how they go about doing business. Sure.
2: Well, it's all it's all about eyeballs too, right? Yeah. Um, and what I mean by eyeballs, those are the consumers. So yeah. If you've got those consumers, uh, you have them in a situation where obviously they're working with you know looking at HBO or even like you said Netflix. What else can I sell into that channel? Yeah. Right. Now they're mine. Um. Or, or they're working with me. You know. How can I you know monetize that in another product standpoint? So yeah. Exactly. A big part of it.
0: In- yeah. Interesting. You're talking about. Kind of mergers and acquisitions and and changes another, not directly related but similar thing. You know, um, I'm interested in your take on the on the Pantronic's um, acquisition of Polycom. Well, that's is, and that's just which been is, finalized. It's has just been finalized. Yeah. But you, you know, you got two companies there. You know, Polycom, traditionally known very much for its uh, conferencing phone, mm-hmm. uh, an endpoint, um, and then more recently, I guess, uh, video. Mm-hmm. And then you got Plantronics, which is a company that, that's primarily known for, for headsets. Mm-hmm. And so you've got two organisations brought together under one, um, I guess, equity company. Mm-hmm. So they, They're all part of that, which will make a very interesting transition going forward. If you look at their tagline, tag you know, stronger, stronger together. Yeah, um, really interesting. So it's interesting to see yeah. how that pans out in the market.
1: It's a two billion dollar acquisition, and yeah. Plantronics is claiming that they can save seventy five million dollars in sort of putting those two companies together two because there's yeah. a lot of overlap. But, it, but it's interesting that a, the, a headset company yeah. would buy the. It, that, that to me it seems
0: like you would almost be backwards. But, but it's but it's interesting to look at the. You know, if you look at, and I've said this for a while to people, you you look at headsets now. Anyway, they've gone from being what is a traditionally a dumb device that now has kind of I don't know proximity sensing, motion sure. sensing, some intelligence in. built, into some it. intelligence mm-hmm. built into it, and I think that plays really, really well into an organisation like a Polycom that you know has been a market leader, certainly in the world that we've been in uh, with endpoints. Mm-hmm. And I think you can you can do some pretty cool things now with uh, you know, things like technologies like near field communication sure. and what have you with headsets in conjunction with the endpoint itself and integrating some of that technology within those endpoints. Right. Well, I mean I think
2: the 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 benefit there if you look at that is they're two complementary products. Right? Yeah. So they're not competing with each other. That's not one that's coming in and, and you know going to squash the other, which tends sure. to happen in some of these types of acquisitions. But you know, both companies known for delivering very high quality products. Um, well, there's you know, no so. confusion
0: either over product lines, really. Sure. When you think about it, and that's one of the challenges, like you just said, where you got you bring two organizations together, and all of a sudden you have got some fallout. Sure, and I won't mention names of, of companies, and it's very obvious who they are, but you can end up with product lines that are almost parallel. So you got to make mm-hmm. you either confuse the marketplace dramatically, or you start to do some fall off with some of those technologies and bring them mm-hmm. in. Not so really with with the Pantronics Polycom piece. I think they're there are uh, complementary technologies there that will fit mm-hmm. um in, in some of those things yeah. going plus, forward.
2: Plus I don't I don't I don't think it hurts um Polycom uh you know, Polycom has delivered such good quality devices for years that have worked with other products. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sold the uh, the traditional starfish phone, you know, for years, you know, with any type of key system mm-hmm. or P V X. So they had that reputation uh, of working, you know, and they were agnostic to who you were what product you're putting cool. them on. So uh, as opposed to say an, uh, a manufacturer competitor in our space purchasing them, uh, which would make a big impact on their sales, and, and uh, so I think that's like I said, they're both two products that are complementary.
1: What's a starfish phone?
2: So a starfish phone, yes, that's uh, if you look at the older. Or David, really you must
0: know what a starfish but... phone. I mean, is. I know
1: what a starfish is. It's you know generally in the water. So what does it's, it look like? It looks like a star. It's got some tentacles. So
0: walk into a conference room in pretty much any office anywhere in the planet. What are you going to say in the middle of the room? A conference phone. What does it look like?
1: A conference phone. You could go all the way back to
0: circa hey, work, nineteen uh, work, work you know, eighty-four. Work with me. Work and with me. Work me. Don't, don't look Baby. at me like, like that's a dumb question. What a David, starfish work with phone? Me, not I got other
1: people in the room looking at me. They don't know what a starfish. And they're all
0: phone nodding. They're David, all nodding. I would, I
2: would point to the uh, <laughs> uh, picture we have on the back wall here with the Polycom starfish phone. There you go. And go ahead and point out which one you think I'm talking about. Which would be the
1: starfish. That hand. has three. That's like a triangle. Yes. That's not a starfish. Listen, I have a three-year-old. He's learning shapes. Stars and triangles, not the same. Okay.
0: All right. Daddy, Daddy, what's a starfish?
1: <laughs> I'm
0: just so, saying.
2: Yeah, but, but David, when you've been around the industry as long as Potter as we and I have. have and, and Potter, have. Potter Combined was, uh, know, 300 years of experience. Exactly. You know, Potter was, was here with Brian Graham Alexander Bell. Well, there yeah. in. But, you know, <laughs> we, we've called that a starfish phone since about 1890, I think, is something around. Oh, now, yeah. Or so, yeah.
1: Probably. I'm sorry I wasn't alive then. Uh, I apologize. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. I didn't come around for another be 90 sorry, years. I really. sorry. <laughs> no, but I think, Alrighty. listen, like, to go back to the original discussion about yep. Polycom and Plantronics, I do think it's interesting to see... Obviously, Polycom was going to end up somewhere. I mean, they've been on the sure. market for a couple of years. Um, the Mitel thing fell through. They were sold to... They had the private equity thing. They, mm-hmm. or, so, Serious Capital. Serious Capital. I mean, so... There's been a lot of back and forth with polycom mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what happens with the Plantronics thing like do they eventually join forces do they become one brand do they or they become do they stay separate do change, how does that I change the name how does that whole thing sort of shake down i mean I, I don't know I mean do you think the average consumer beyond like wanting to have good quality on their on their desktop do you mm-hmm. think they you think they even know what, I mean, I think if you asked eight out of 10 people, they wouldn't even know what the brand of their phone is. Like most people don't, most people working in an office probably couldn't even tell you what kind of phone they have on their desk.
2: Sure. And, and, you know, an end user in most instances does not know that, but the, the reseller who's selling that and wants to, you know, obviously, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I mean the, the, the end user, but you know, uh, Plantronics, you know, they have, again, they have very, um, good quality headsets Mm -hmm. that, you know, consumers know. Uh, I think some of the consumers do know the Polycom, you know, phone lines themselves.
1: I think probably so, they they might know them yeah. for more from the, on the video side too, because of the video collaboration stuff they mm-hmm. do. But to me, I think Plantronics may have a may have stronger brand. I, I don't know. I've never looked at, it, but like they more may have stronger a, brand a, on the consumer side. Yeah, than the consumer than Polycom.
0: side. If you yeah. walk into a lot of the stores, you're gonna see headset. You're gonna see things like that. But probably typically people wouldn't walk around a store like that. To see uh, the know, desk a desk and- phone. Yeah. Yeah, interesting
1: it's also interesting to see you know as the sip endpoint game becomes more littered with with everyone in there what does polycom do like well how how does plantronics handle that
0: yeah and how do they differentiate so yeah
1: i mean we've talked at length on this podcast about the VTECs and the yay and the and everybody else the panasonic's out there so i mean there's a lot of competition for them so it's interesting to see how they're going to handle that yeah, there
0: is That's a pretty tough marketplace a lot of uh, a lot of close like as Colin said earlier features. too it's
1: also getting commoditized. Yep. I mean the price of the phone is I mean a lot of times it's the determining factor, right? I mean it's whatever's sure. cheapest. Sure. Yeah. Um,
2: like I said, year after year they, they become less and less uh, expensive and you know much more difficult to uh, differentiate on a pricing standpoint. Sure.
0: Yeah that's why I think I think the uh, the polycom and Pantronics thing might be really interesting because they have this, I think they have the opportunity there to embed some technologies and do some different things that will make them you know quite a differentiator in the marketplace yeah. obviously so we'll you know, time, time, you know time.
2: and and a lot of people today you know want to use that headset with their uh, mobile phone Yeah, right and so they get used to using it on their mobile phone and if that headset automatically transfers into their office phone that you know phone on their desk you know gets that integration even tighter so uh, definitely like i said I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they go forward Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see
1: what do you think you got any any projections for the rest of the world we're, we're, we're in we're in the second half of the year now are mm-hmm. you anything you think is coming down the line any any anything you're what you're watching or keeping your eye on for the second half of the year just in the in the uc space
2: yeah i i, I think the, the biggest thing right now is is WAN. yeah but i think what we need to do as an industry is is narrow down what SD WAN actually is if you ask Five people, what SD WAN is, you'll get five different answers. So, sure. um, you know, understanding that product, it's, it, it's back when you know folks would say, "I need to have it." I don't know why I need to have it, but I need to have it. So, I think now we need more to more define, you know, what SD WAN is going to do for a particular customer, uh, and it's really going to be on a case by case basis. I think, I think the way that
0: that's helped along is is by use cases and, mm-hmm. and by maybe some vertical approaches that you you know you go after a particular market. And you can define that and show where that really has a strength. And you can get most people get their head around that. Right. I think what people struggle with is you know It's very name, conceptual. It becomes a buzzword, becomes a buzzword yeah. yeah. And so they don't really know, well now I apply it to that application and that's how it resolved my sure. my business issue.
1: I think you you it has to become more tangible right now. It's very conceptual. Yeah. And like you said, you like some someone may think about it like one way, somebody may think about it another way, but right now there are it's hard to define it tangibly what is it actually going to do there are concepts of i think you know it's going to help me with the business continuity it's going to help improve my network performance things like that but it, it's hard to it's hard to quantify that at this moment Sure. customers that are using it and have had experiences are very happy because um, they don't have they don't have the outages and they haven't had things, problems like that but there needs you know it needs to become more ubiquitous and it just isn't there yet sure and then
2: I think the other aspect too that's uh, you know everyone needs to be keeping their eye on too is is really is security, um, you know, and and that could be an entire podcast and and so forth with you know what security and with, you know around the industry. And I just and I think I just
1: saw recently AT and T bought a security company like they just bought another security company sure. too. So I mean like, it yeah I mean it's it's as important as it gets. Sure,
2: and and with and you know obviously PCI compliance with security and you know Star of Stars uh, introduced uh, encrypted voice. now. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of things from a product standpoint, um, that, you know, some folks are playing catch up and and some are already there. Yeah. You know, there's, and I think a lot of different products that are out there, you know, have bits and pieces of both and, and we need to kind of all get there as from standards and so on.
1: It's interesting because I think a lot of partners may want, may, may want to avoid the security question altogether. (laughs) Sometimes I think they, they, you know, that comes up and they, sometimes they may not have the right answer. Sure. um but you know that's obviously going to become more you uh, know even more paramount as hackers or whatever you want to call it become more sophisticated and cool. can get into systems that they couldn't get into before and you know it all it takes is one major you know issue Some and one provider yeah, yeah and then all of a sudden yeah. everyone freaks out and it yeah, becomes yeah you know, the other
2: aspect that leads into that too is obviously uh, you know the internet of things right yeah you know as more and more and more millions and billions of devices come online um you know millions of billions of ways to access the network Mm -hmm. also come online so um you know when you look at all the studies that are out there you know a lot of people really the underlying theme is that we've kind of lost the war to stop it you know we more on to how do we fix it once it happens
1: yeah i saw an interesting uh story the other day where it said i think something like boeing every few months has to go in and clean their the the whole computer on on every plane for, from malware and stuff like that wow. only because pilots have plugged are plugging in their phones to the usb on the on the plane to charge their phones while they're flying and not knowing actually putting malware on the plane's like computer system it has no effect on Ooh. like the, the 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 plane's ability to fly or anything like that but Boeing is having to go in and, like, basically reset these systems every few months now because, like, pilots are unknowingly doing, you know, like, not, not on purpose, but just, you know, like you said, you've, you've got these d- devices that are connected, and, I, listen, I'm not trying to
0: scare anybody. Hey, here but...
2: Yeah, you know, David, I have a flight tomorrow morning. So I <laughs> so, can see what plane that's on.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd check out the... Uh, say so Maybe ask the pilot if he could... You maybe know... he could block his USB
1: port for Actually, me, I'll so... ask him if you could charge my phone. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Maybe the, maybe that Boeing should come up with like a little dedicated charging port for some phones. You would think they might be able to come up with that. Yeah, right. Colin, how's your? Uh, I know you're a big golfer. How's your golf game going? Uh, Does the, he play the,
2: golf? The Does golf game is uh, is not doing so well at the moment. What no? is, uh, is so well, no? Colin? Uh, not enough time. Too, too not much travel, travel and uh, yeah. not enough time on the course. But uh, okay. I still enjoy it. It's always a good day on the golf course. So, but uh, it's not been that great. Really. Where's
1: the what's the best course you've ever played?
2: The best course I've ever played. Well, um, in Florida. Since this is where we're located, I think Stream Song mm-hmm. um, is the best course. Located I've in the middle played. of nowhere. It's been listed as, you know, in the top five, you know, multiple times here. And then, uh, you know, uh, I had the chance to, uh, to play Pe- Pebble Beach a few years ago, which was. Uh, you played with nice a so. group with Tiger, right? I-, I did. I played with Tiger. And, uh, you know, and I've also played St. Andrews in, uh, oh, in yeah. Scotland. Oh, yeah. I didn't so.
0: know that. That's got to be a special place. Um, yeah. You know,
2: a real interesting thing there was, you know, I came off the uh, course and. Gary Player was there doing an a, a interview with uh, Japanese television, and I waited for him to get done, just not unlike what we're doing here, and uh, he came over and signed my scorecard. And, nice. You know, so you still have and, that? Uh, I still have it. I have it framed. I was surprised that that's not so. in your office. Yeah, well, you know, that's a, that's a valuable one. I have to leave that one at home. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> how about that? Yeah. How about that? Fun things, right? Fun, so
0: fun things. Uh, so if you didn't live in Florida, where would you live?
2: If I didn't live in Florida, you know, I love California. Uh, Northern California, as we we're just talking about, you know, Pebble Beach. You know, he likes Monterey that. Area. He likes
1: that. Those grapes. He likes those. Um, he likes really? some grapes. Yeah. Are we yeah. gonna do the wine call out again? We gotta. You know I mean? Yeah, we need to get the wine. Yeah. yeah. What's your yeah, wine? Gonna, we you, need to have every every episode. We should have someone recommend a bottle of did you, wine. Did you get
0: that case of Rioja wine?
1: From no I No one sent me the bottle. Oh, I will oh, yeah. bring the reminder in. Yeah. I, I, yeah. What's Colin's recommendation for a bottle? Okay. Here's what. Here's our. Uh, here's our segment. You we know what? We should. We got to get this sponsored. This. This. These, this segment is sponsored by okay cake bread i don't yeah. know i'm just okay. throwing somebody out
2: there frank's family vineyard
1: frank's, frank's vineyard. family and we're, vineyard and and tell us a little about frank's
2: napa. uh it's uh it's a great cab it was introduced uh, to me by my uh wine snob friend okay um, and uh who who uh, lives out in napa area so uh uh, great wine, just a really. Great Frank's wine.
1: family. And where can you get? I've never seen Frank's family. You
2: don't really find it very often in Florida, so it's a, it's a hard one to get. in uh, Florida, so but uh, so Frank,
1: good. if you're listening, send us a bottle. We'll try it next on the next podcast. Yeah, we might be able to open up other markets. Yeah, yeah maybe we can help him sell it with a promote, UC product. Promote the there brand. we go. Promote the every brand. use. Every phone comes with a. Brand. <laughs> it's a spiff. <laughs> uh, I would love that. <laughs> we'd have extra cases yeah, in d- the back David's,
0: somewhere. David's so into this promotion promotion piece after the. Uh, Stylophone kicked off. Well, know, well anyway. I
2: hope you're not going to send him this podcast because he might listen to it. And Say no, <laughs> no way, nay, nay. So, okay. send one bottle. Let's,
0: let's completely switch gears here to to a piece that you know is near and dear to David's heart because he hasn't got one, but he always likes to know if you have got a. a <laughs> it's a, a heart, a pet, a pet at home. I don't think you got a dog. You're a dog person, I me. Mean. No, I do actually. Yeah. What I, kind I of pet dog. do you have, Colin? I,
2: I have a uh, a labradoodle. As uh, you know, what those... is the size of that? Uh, it's about 80 pounds, uh, female. So, Jesus. Decent sized dog, and then I have a—I do have a cat, Potter. Uh, to a your A cat point. as well.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay, so what are the names of this do dog and cat? They get along
2: well together. Uh, they do actually. Uh, the dog's name is Molly, Who and was the cat's first? name the is Winston, the, after Winston Churchill. Really? Yeah. There Who you go. was
0: there first, the dog or the cat?
2: Uh, the cat. Well,
1: the what are the ages cat. of these animals?
2: <laughs> uh, the dog is about uh, three years old, and I think the cat's about. Four or five years
1: old. Oh, okay, so not super old.
2: No, not yet.
0: Eighty pounds.
2: Oh pound. yeah,
0: that's that's big. That's a big dog. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of dog to feed. That's a lot. That <laughs> <laughs> is, isn't it? I can't. I can't imagine an eighty pound dog.
2: Oh my gosh, that's not even that big a dog.
1: That's not my thing. Maybe eighty's a little
2: big. Maybe
0: more. Yeah, like I had, a, I had a lab for years, and he got to. I think at his top, he was about eighty, but he was more around the 70. That's a, that's Sometimes I see back. those yeah. dogs that are
1: just I think they're great Danes maybe.
0: I oh, don't know like a what Dane they're. or St. Bernard. I mean they're like They're like ten feet house. tall. Oh they're not quite ten feet tall, you, you could know, ride it. You, know, you could ride it. Probably, yeah. Yeah.
1: Probably you could definitely put you could definitely ride it. I don't understand why you'd want a dog that big. Oh, well, you
0: know. It's not really a guard dog, is it? I it really is. that dog's
1: gonna like, you slip go on your couch, your couch is destroyed. Can
0: you imagine the size of its feet? <laughs> uh, <oof. laughs> so Colin. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. We've got, we to bring, we've got to bring the dog in. We've got to see the dog. Well, yeah, okay. you should have the dog on the podcast. Yeah. Okay, next time. Yeah,
2: yeah we'll bring, bring it in.
0: So I want to say thank you very much for joining us. Okay. And I think David will probably uh, – David and Fred may well see that you get a fine Egyptian cotton T-shirt because I know that's not the only reason why you came on the show in the first place. Absolutely. Do you have some socks already?
2: Uh, I think I have one pair of socks, but, you, you know –
0: not use- yeah, I was, was, was going to have a word with you I about that. I don't have that, those Colin.
2: type. I don't have those
1: ones. All right. See the um fine people in the marketing department are looking <laughs> <you up. laughs> on the way out. Actually, <laughs>
0: listeners, he is actually wearing Star to Star socks.
1: I am. What? If I had them, I'd wear David, them. David,
0: how are you spending your marketing budget? I mean, I'm just
1: These socks were not very expensive, Graham. Don't worry.
0: Can we so- have a photograph, Fred? When we when we put this podcast out, we need to see a picture of the sock. Yep. Cuz I am not believing what I'm seeing. <laughs>
1: Colin, do you have anything else you want to talk about with Graham and I? Anything near and dear to your heart that you'd like to mention?
0: Um, been, uh, been in the forefront of your mind for a long time. Yeah, Frank's forefront,
1: Frank's, yeah. family, Frank's family Cap, vineyard. Yeah, yeah. we we'll talked
2: about that. Uh, what's uh, What's your favorite wine? Uh, Mr. Potter, which... Uh, oh, um, Graham's big on... For sharing. Well, actually... I turned Graham
1: on yeah, to Brunello yeah, from David, Italy, David, and, he's, uh, and he's been big on that. David, uh, uh, having, spent, by Zan.
0: having spent a couple of weeks out in uh, Tuscany and, and never having before sampled the uh, Brunello, I think that's a really, really nice wine. I, I mean, I love Rioja and stuff like that, but uh, for me, um, that that some of those wines from uh, Tuscany, um, and in particular that Brunello, that, that's hard to beat, but it's expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. It's not not cheap to buy out here. It's like forty, fifty bucks a bottle. So.
1: Well, you go to a yeah. restaurant and they, you can't find a good Brunello Ooh, right. on a on a wine list for five hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, I've probably never. Seen. Go to uh, uh, what's the steakhouse up in Tampa? Burns. Go to Burns. I mean, they got a huge Brunello list, but every one of the bottles is like three hundred dollars. Well, been we we've,
0: we've been to uh, Burns with okay. with somebody a while ago, Colin and I, and we we, we walked around the uh, the cellar and. Yeah, it's one tour. Some, saw some wines there yeah. that uh, were horribly expensive.
2: Well, they claim a million doll- a million bottles of wine on the premises. They See
0: claim what?
1: that they have the largest private wine collection next to the Sultan of Brunei. No, next to the Vatican and the Queen. Wow. That because they they don't know how many bottles each of those, wow. but they said they have the largest wine collection in the world. They have like, a, like they have obviously the cellar on site, which they claim has what a million bottles or whatever. Then they have another off-site that has like hundreds of thousands more. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane.
2: Great place to eat, though. Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah, it's yeah. good value there. The dessert room, I think, is is really the, the key. Yeah, that's the thing. The,
0: the yeah, weird, the steak itself, uh, you, you can
1: live. You can live with that. Yeah. You can move on. This better steak.
0: Casks, Don't hate me, Burns. Casks that Don't you ha- sit in. Listen, into.
1: I, I representing Burns. I, I, I'll, I'll ride for Burns, but I think the dessert room is really the, the key to their success. You're, you look like a
0: dessert kind of guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On that note, wah, wah, wah. I want to thank uh, Graham and Colin. I'll thank our, our producers, producers, Fred and Les. For, and our audience. Yeah, we've got John we've Roth got an in the audience today. John, tonight. you want to say anything to, to the mics? Said, we, oh, well, you know, funny story is that Mr. Burns from The Simpsons not related to Burns Steakhouse. Seriously? This is
0: a okay, okay, I'll look at my phone. Unbelievable.
1: I thought they were related. I thought he owned it. No, <laughs> no it's common mistake. Common mistake, yeah. Common mistake, yeah. Mr. Burns. He's very wealthy, so you would think he might own that. But he's a cartoon character, alas, so didn't have the yes. real cash to okay. make All right. that purchase. <laughs> Anyways, alrighty then. It's always good to have someone in studio. It is. makes it makes I, the experience I gotta experience say more though, we, we,
0: we still haven't figured out the uh, crudité thing, yeah. but never mind.
1: I think I think I think it just, I decided we the crudité is over. We need more of a charcuterie plate. Okay. Oh, here's a picture of oh, a, hello john's coming to show us this isn't really great for a podcast a picture but
2: uh, yeah hold the uh, picture closer to the mic please
1: this is a picture of mr burns that john found <laughs> how about that? one yeah. thing about john roth is where you travel with john he often um sees celebrities or, or doppelgangers in everyone he looks at he's very good at at that and uh it's, it makes for a fun travel experience it's a talent it's a talent yeah. it, it i'll have be. many
0: it must be a <laughs> You're a good boater. Good voter? Boater? Boater. Yeah. Yeah. Boater,
1: yeah, boater. Yeah, not voter. I, I mean, I don't know your voting record. I thought that so was something
0: really you code. wore on your head, a boater, wasn't it? Huh.
1: Oh, okay. All right, got to end this. <laughs> this, is, this is getting bad. Bring it in back around.
0: All right, goodbye. I'm David Portniewicz. And I'm Graham Potter. And you've been listening to...
1: And you